spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. I'm Dan Potter, host of the KRMG Morning News, and these are the Damp Otter Files, conversations with Tulsa's most fascinating people. In September of 2023, a new emissary from Israel arrived in Tulsa. He's not an official representative of the Israeli government, but he is a cultural ambassador. His job is to strengthen ties with Jewish Oklahomans as well as with the broader community. Just days after arriving in Tulsa, the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas launched its attack on towns and kibbutzes that bordered with the Gaza Strip. Hundreds of Israelis were savaged and slaughtered, and more hundreds were taken hostage and remain as hostages today. Since the start of the Israel-Hamas war, Tulsa's new Israeli emissary has faced challenges and many questions. His name is Shahaf, but on the advice of his managers in Israel and for his security, he does not routinely use his last name in media interviews. I spoke with Shahaf at the KRMG studios on Friday of last week. So how does one become an emissary to a city in the U.S. like Tulsa from Israel? Jewish communities all around the world, um, mostly in the United States, want to preserve and strengthen their a special relationship with Israel. So this is why they came up with a program of those cultural emissaries uh, where we send hundreds of Israelis every year to communities all around the world, also in Tulsa. Um, and I I always wanted to meet Jewish people from all around the world. So I went to, I, I applied. Mm. I applied and uh, luckily I found myself here. I, I've never heard about Tulsa before. I, I heard about Oklahoma, of course, but not not much. So, yeah. and it's my first time in the United States. And you arrived here in September, is that right? Yeah, I arrived here with my wife uh, in September. So only five months, <laughs> only five months in Tulsa. Um, I love it so far. What do you love about it? You have all the big city, let's say, culture facilities, scene, but in a quieter. Uh, place, no traffic, uh, Jewish community is very much loving and welcoming. So, Did you uh, come from a big city in Israel or a kibbutz? Uh, or, or no, what? absolutely not. I was always living in small places. I came from a small town right outside of Nazareth. Um, I've never lived in a big city. I think Tulsa is the biggest city I've lived in. <laughs> is it really? Okay. Yeah. But it still feels like it has kind of small town values and Yeah, I mean, I've been here only five months, and I already feel like I know my way around, mm. know some places. Uh, people are, again, very generous, I think. It's, it's kind of the atmosphere. I feel um, like it's a nice place to be in. You're here with your wife? Yes, I came here with my wife. What does she think? Um, I think the same. I mean, of course, it's hard for her and for me as well to leave our families and our friends and our jobs and our house um, for this period of time. But um, we found, again, mostly in the Jewish community, a lot of new friends and 
and good place to be part of. Are you here for a set amount of time? Yeah, so uh, I'm here for, we're here for two or three years. It's like this exchange program, um, it's limited. Yeah. Yes. Do you get paid while you're here, I assume? Yes, yes. It's my job now uh, yeah. to be the Israeli emissary to the Jewish community of Tulsa. What's your, what's your day like? What's an average day like for you? Sort of a nine to five, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But, but, but as you can imagine, in a community work. So I would get up to the office in the morning, but uh, I'll go to meet with people from the community, with leaders, rabbis, uh, different synagogues, organizations. So nothing too uh, regular. I'll, I'll keep moving and try to meet with the community because, again, in, in the work, in the community work we are doing, I think the most important thing is to be out there, um, get to know the people, tell and tell my story. I'm, I'm really here to bring Israel to Tulsa and to the Tulsa Jewish and larger community. So in order to do that, I'm, I'm all around. After five months, and I know this is a broad question, but, but after five months, do you have a sense of what it's like to be a Jew in Tulsa? And can you tell me? I mean, you know, is the Jewish community here secure, happy? How, how do you find it? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And again, we have to remember that those five months are not regular months. Yeah, true. Not typical months. No, not to the Jewish community of Tulsa and not to Jewish communities all around the world. And of course, not to the people of Israel. Um, with that in mind, I think that, yes, Jewish community in Tulsa um, feels safe generally speaking here, and a lot, we get a lot of support uh, from the Tulsa community, the Tulsa um, mayor and elected uh, officials I, I've I met since I came here. And again, Jewish people now are also concerned about anti-Semitism and social media has now a lot of hate. So also Jewish people in Tulsa suffer from hate speech over social media. Um, but other than that, I think that we get a lot of support from the Tulsa community. I, um, You and I have a couple of mutual friends. In fact, they're responsible for me talking to you right now because I had actually hoped to have them on as guests for this podcast because they just returned from Israel. Um, our, our male acquaintance is... Uh, a reservist in the IDF. Um, his wife is uh, also a dual citizenship, America and Israel. Um, and she went over with him and, and fed soldiers while she was there and harvest, harvested lemons. <laughs> and, and well, in, in fact, let me, let me, she sent me an email. I'm going to keep her name out of it and for reasons I'll tell you about in a second. But okay. She says, be sure you mention that those soldiers were so grateful to be fed real food. Some told me they hadn't seen a vegetable in two months. Remind <laughs> your listeners just how young these boys are and how much loss and horror they've seen. They are so vulnerable. They could have been my sons. Tell them the tunnels my husband stood in were big enough to fit trucks in. Her husband went into Gaza. Tell them the tunnels were big enough for trucks to fit in, that they run longer than the London underground, that although Gaza is riddled with them, civilians are not able to shelter there. Let people know that Tel Aviv bustles and parties hard on purpose. We keep living life that way 
so that Hamas does not squash us. Israelis live life in the moment. We've had to condition ourselves to do this because we've always had to live life never knowing what's about to hit the fan. She has very colorful language. I'm, 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 I'm leaving some words out. Tell people that Hostage Square is the most saddening, heartbreaking, but comforting place I've ever been to. We are one. We felt each other's love. We felt wiped out and strong at the same time. I cry just remembering watching the families of hostages that night, how much they've had to endure, how much more their loved ones have had to suffer. And then she concludes by saying, tell people that lemon trees are bastard trees from (laughs) hell and I'll never look at another lemon without thinking the wounds those trees gave me. And no, it's not because the orchard was right next to Gaza so the shelling was constant background noise. It's because those asshole trees are full of thorns. (laughs) Who knew? She she paints a a very vivid picture, I think, of what life is in Tel Aviv and along the border with Gaza right now. What do you hear from from family and friends? Yeah, so I think the the thing we you just read are are pretty much authentic. I mean, I think the people of Israel now, Israeli society, is concerned with mainly two things. Um, one is the hostages. There are still 136 hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. There were 257 to start with. Out of those 136, um, I don't want to mistake in the numbers, but at least 32 are known to be dead, and about the others we can just pray. Um, and for Israeli society, and I think it's important to people to understand that, to hear that, uh, and not only for Israeli society, for Jewish people around the world, the hostage situation is is one of the main concerns. When you go now in Israel into a bakery, uh, when you go in the street, when you go into the uh, train, wherever you go, you get reminders of the hostages, their pictures, people are talking about it. Um, the concept, the situation of civilians, um, innocent civilians, kids, elderly women, men being kidnapped from their homes is just mind. Um, people are troubled with it, and 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 there is a constant concern and talk about how can we bring them back home now? How can what efforts can we do? Can we make what prices should we pay? Um, and. Mm-hmm. What she said from the hostages square in Tel Aviv, I think it brings the best picture we can hear about it. Um, just before October 7th, uh, Israeli society was just after several months of uh, um, a lot of uh, civilian, um, I would say maybe clashes about the, the, the democratic uh, procedures going on in Israel right now. Yeah. Um, very two-sided, but... I think one day after October 7th and until now, uh, people are together. The solidarity is very strong now. And again, I'm t- I'm saying all of this to say that the hostages situation is one of the Israelis' main concerns. The other thing, as we heard about the soldiers and about the tunnels she was telling us about, yeah. is Israelis want to make sure that their safety, their ability to live a peaceful life, a quiet life with their families, with their kids, uh, will be restored. And right now, this is not the case. There are 
Um, tens of thousands of people evacuated from their homes in the Gaza border, but also in the Lebanon border. And Israeli society want to make sure that, and this is the, I think, again, beside from the hostages, the main concern of people in Israel right now is the ability to continue with their life, live a peaceful life, go on with their jobs, but only after. And I think it's the basic thing that a democracy can provide to its citizens, the ability to live and not worry for their life. It is. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I know that everything I've seen reflects that the Israelis are united around wanting to have the hostages returned home. What they're not united around is how that's accomplished, and you touched on that. I've heard the argument made that Hamas, they can let the hostages go anytime they want to. They don't need a ceasefire. That's right. So that's kind of, I guess, where the, the argument is right now is, you know, no matter how you feel about everybody wants the hostages back home. Yes. Um, it's, it's how you get them back home and whether it has to involve a ceasefire or not. Yeah, it's a hard question. I, I think people in Israel are now uh, dealing with, and we have to remember, or people should hear, I think, that um, I think it was, I don't remember the exact date, but I think one month or, or almost two months into the fighting after October 7th, um, we had a ceasefire and a deal with Hamas. And this is why in the beginning we had two, 257 hostages. Israel stopped the fighting and made a deal again with Hamas, which is a terror organization, but it was hard. Some people were against it. Um, Israel released convicted terrorists from her prisons in exchange just to make those hostages come back. Right. Uh, we managed to get 110 or some of them back um, and then continue to pursue, again, the goal of making sure that hostages come back and Israeli citizens can return to their house and live a safe, to, a, a safe life. And now, again, Israeli society and government are facing those, um, those questions. And another thing I want to add that yeah. is important for people to remember is that Israel is a democracy, um, not like a lot of the uh, nations around it. And in a democracy like the one we're living in right now, um, people have different views, and that's okay. And, yeah. and people in Israel are, are sounding different voices right now, and, and that's completely fine. This is what we see over the news. Like you said, some people are not happy about it and about the government's act, and this is a democracy. We have to leave those decisions for government and for military leaders. I can tell you what's the, I, can, I can't decide what's the right thing to do. But like you said, um, a lot of people now are thinking that the two goals of bringing the hostages back and continue the fighting to keep Israel safe, sometimes they can come one on top of each other, but we can't, I, I believe personally, that we can give up on any of them. So mm. I hope that our politicians and leaders can find the right way um, to navigate those two, but um, not we can give up on any of them. What's the question you get most from Tulsans about what's going on in Israel and Gaza right now? Um, what's the question I get more from Tulsans? Uh, 
Yeah, I think a lot of people know today that the thing we hear over the news and, and all the different media outlets are shows specific sides and people want to hear like you ask me what is really happening what's what's going on in the Israeli street what 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 are the people's opinions and this is what I'm trying to share and yeah. this is my job really here I came as a citizen um, to share the the Israeli citizens atmosphere and opinions and life so most of the people are t- asking me what is really happening is this true the thing we just heard over the news is Israel really doing a B the every week it's something different but um, people want to hear and, and I think it's a it's a I think it's a good question we, we have to remember that things we hear over the news sometimes are um, uh, subject to we need to find we need to look for the truth uh, yeah never trust just one source yeah yeah you know. and and uh, yeah, I, I like it when people try to think for themselves and yeah. and also when people think differently than me or from Israel, it's, it's completely fine. But the thing I'm, I'm trying to remind people is that don't listen to this one voice. Don't be so one-minded. And when we are so far away here in, in, in small Tulsa, so far away from the Middle East, uh, you want to have an opinion, that's good. But just listen, ask the questions, research, educate. So... Educate yourself. So this is what I'm trying to do. Uh, Shahaf, our, our mutual friend, who I, I read her email a moment ago, was, like I said, going to be a guest on this podcast. But because of the anti-Semitism that specifically her children have experienced, uh, one's away at university and a couple are still in school here, um, decided they really didn't want to do this interview. And I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen, the rise of anti-Semitism? Um, you mentioned online already, but here in the U.S. and on university campuses specifically. Again, as I said before, I'm, I'm, I guess I can say that I'm happy or at least pleased to know that um, Tulsa, at least uh, on Tulsa streets or, or, or public um, surroundings, Jewish people uh, feel generally safe and can walk the streets. Um, we hear, and I, like you, I hear from my colleagues and in, um, in campuses around the country um, and from different cities and schools about anti-Semitism now, which is on the rise. And we see the data coming in from research, which is uh, being held as we speak. Uh, and anti-Semitism is on the rise in campuses, we see violent demonstrations. We see uh, Jewish students being harassed, uh, not to say sometimes physically attacked. Um, and it's a big problem. I mean, for those institutions that claim that they uh, pursue um, knowledge and, and truth, it's a big problem to, to, to say that in the same time, uh, you have to deal with this anti-Semitism in your campus. Um, Social media today is, I think, the main uh, arena where a lot of public discussion is being held, and social media today is just infested with 
anti-Semitism remarks, hate speech. To me, it's easy to distinguish between disagreement maybe with the way Netanyahu is handling the war and anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. But I, I think, you know, that some people who post rants say, well, I'm just being critical of the war, and they don't see it as being anti-Semitic. Where do you see the line? I believe people can have criticism about Israel, and people can, uh, of course, think that Israel should act different or, or, or try and have different measures, and, and that's okay. Again, even me as an Israeli citizen, I sometimes or a lot of times think differently than elected government or leaders, and that's, that's fine. But when these calls, when these people, those, those, this criticism, um, firstly, A, is, is saying that Israel doesn't have the right to defend itself or to fight terror. Or to exist. Or to, yeah, and by that, meaning that it can't exist. Because most of the time, if, if someone is saying Israel shouldn't exist, it's very obvious it's no question. Right. We know. But some, they won't say it. They, they would say Israel should not have the right to defend itself. And by that, they're trying to lead to an idea where Israel really shouldn't exist or to a point where Israel shouldn't exist. And, and to say that the Jewish people shouldn't have a state or shouldn't have this state shouldn't have a right to exist is, firstly, don't know in your history. Um and and really is just anti-Semitic. Um, when you will listen to those people, a lot of times they will get to a point where uh, they think that Israel shouldn't exist and the Jewish people are uh, all kinds of... Uh, I, I don't know even, even how to say it. They, they believe the Jewish people are... Um, they're prejudicing and racist against Jewish people. And this is the problem. This is the anti-Semitism. And I believe that a lot of those people that uh, in, in those campuses and making those voices heard, some of them are just really pure anti-Semites. But I also believe that a lot of them are just following some, some popu- popu- populistic... Uh, a mindset and and fake news and all kinds of other stuff that that make them follow that way and I just think that and this is what I'm trying my friends are trying to do trying to bring the the some some truth from that area some sides some different questions to the table um, again sadly we see so much of this anti-Semitism now. Do you think it's fair to question the proportionality of Israel's response? I mean, we're approaching 30,000 dead Palestinians, if you believe the Hamas health authority numbers. Um, of Israel's losses as horrible and uh, as they were by their very nature, but by their amount too, um, we're under 2,000. Is proportionality something that can be talked about here? Is Israel's response now as President Biden said, over the top? Again, I think that even before we talk numbers or proportionality, I believe that the loss of every human life and the suffer of humans is, is wrong, is terrible, and that we as, as people that believe in, in freedom and democracy, we should make sure that the future that we imagine together and pursue... Uh, will make sure that 
every person, every human being uh, that chooses to live that way will have the ability to live a peaceful life. And and I'm I'm saying that because sometimes people don't see it, but yes, of course, war is is horrible, and people from both sides are being hurt right now. Um, and every soul, before we get to the numbers, every single soul is that that is lost is is terrible, and has a family and parents and children, and people can have their own opinion about proportionality. I, I won't tell people what to think, but it's not it's not. Um, it's not, I don't think it's about the numbers. It's not one-on-one. It's the fact that a nation, a democratic nation, is fighting a terror organization, um, like our mutual friend said, that's keeping the citizens from using the tunnels as shelter, the tunnels that it's built with American and other nations' support that gave him in the past. They used it to build those terror tunnels. So... It's not, it's not like a clean slate and we, we count numbers on both sides and I don't believe it's the right way to look at it. It's, it's just, it's all so horrible to contemplate. It, I, I don't know, I, I, I honestly don't know how anyone in the region right now is, is coping. Life is just so immediate and so awful in so many cases. What do Israelis think of America? What, what, what should we know about how Israelis view us? This is my first time in America, and, and uh, I must say that I'm, I learned so much about American people, about America since I came here, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that because uh, I believe that when you— I had my opinion about America, which was neutral, not, yeah. not something special, but since I came here and—, and living with the people and getting to know and see all the different and you know, America is so big and has so many different people in it. So uh, personally, I, I, I thank this opportunity uh, to have this experience. And when I'll, I'll go back home to Israel in two years, I'll bring this, those experience with me back to my friends and family. And again, I'm very grateful for it. Israeli society, since the war started, is very uh, grateful and thankful and respect the major support that the United States uh, is giving Israel military, uh, mentally, politically. Uh, for decades, the United States has been a major ally, important ally, ally of Israel and in this conflict since the first day on October 8th, <laughs> I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, Biden... Uh, spoke to the world and say Israel was attacked by terror. It has it tried to defend itself. We support it. Again, of course, when you go into politics, into details, I think that now uh, America has some criticism about Israel ways. Israel has ways about America. When U.S. citizens in Israel, they are grateful for the help. Um, um, some of them think that um, other nations shouldn't tell us as a nation what to do or should support, but don't decide for us. Right. As I believe every other free nation wouldn't want other nation to decide for her, but you'll go on the street and you'll see, I have a picture somewhere of, uh, of a graffiti um, that was drawn in Tel Aviv in the past couple of months of uh, 
um, like the American flag um, on one of Tel Aviv streets showing the pride people had because it was really wow. very, very strengthening in those times. Interesting. What's your favorite American food so far? <laughs> um, burger. <laughs> I, get, I mean, yeah. I, there's a lot of great food here. And, um, <laughs> you have a favorite Tulsa restaurant? A favorite Tulsa restaurant? Yeah. Um, oh, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, I went to the vault a couple oh, of times. Libby, Libby Billings Place, the vault. Yes, yes, Yeah, yes. and my wife's vegetarian, and it's just a, a nice place, nice atmosphere, nice yeah, location. Like absolutely. But, but I'm looking forward to explore <laughs> a well, lot of other places. Uh, Tulsa's lucky to have you, Shahaf, and, and I was certainly lucky to be able to persuade you to come in here and, and be on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity, and I'm thankful for this. Is there a last thought you'd like to leave with Tulsans? Tulsa has a great Jewish community, uh, very loving, very part of the general society, very contributing, I, I believe, to the life in Tulsa. And, uh, and I think people in Tulsa should uh, reach out and care for their Jewish friends. My thanks to Shahaf, Israeli emissary to Tulsa, for speaking with me. If you know of a group that would like to invite Shahaf to speak to them, you can reach him at shahaf, S-H-A-H-A-F, at jewishtulsa.org. That's shahaf at jewishtulsa.org. I'm Dan Potter. Until next time, I'll see you on the radio. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.